Hey everyone, this is us at BehindTheGMScreen.com again. Uh, I'm Richard. I'm Sakura Draven. And today we're talking about how do you get new players into the game? Yes. So I, I, I will admit, like, for me, I immediately assumed that we were talking about somebody comes up to us and says, hey, I want to play in your amazing game. It sounds amazing. My friends told me how great it is. I want to play. And I'm like, okay, great. Now I've got to teach this person who doesn't know how to play role-playing games and, and get them into the game. And mm -hmm. so that's where I took this question. <laughs> so mentally, I think um, I'm going to have less to say about the first half of where you were coming from of, hey, a significant other or somebody doesn't know they want to play. Mm-hmm but you're going to you're going to entice them you're going to be the siren of <laughs> oh yes of using the pirate analogy i there love it go. i love yeah. it for me it's all greek but <laughs> um but sure pirates too they're like the first pirates anyways like odysseus yes. yeah all right so um how do you approach getting new players into the game well the first step is a casual conversation asking why they don't think they'll like it asking what they're fears might be for it why they wouldn't have an interest because i've gotten many people into role play that aren't geeks that aren't gamers at all and it's that casual conversation i want to find out what what they're what they're what's holding them back yeah. and then i can address it like because most of the time it's misconception uh their partner comes home and he's, they're rambling off all these exciting things and then it's like i don't i don't know what you're talking about so then I break it down and explain it to them. And that casual conversation gets them thinking like, okay, I'll try it. Because I'm like, you can not play. You can just try it. You don't have to be obligated. And, and how do you approach when they say, well, it's going to be too hard? Oh, then I say that I'm a good, I'm a teaching GM. So I will guide their character through every step, every time, if that's what they need. And I break it down in a way that they'll understand. And only I will be talking to them during the session so they won't be getting everybody talking to them giving advice mm -hmm. so all right so how about people who um they say that you know they think it's boring mm -hmm. well then i i talk about how much fun it is to sit around with your friends not distracted by anything and having a collaborative storytelling experience and everybody has input into the story and the direction. And usually by that, they get excited. You know, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite movie? Um, what story really made a difference to you? Now you can be a character and now you can create a story for yourself. So um, what, if, what if they say they don't like pirates? Well, everybody loves pirates. Yeah, they probably do. Um, IGM variety of games. Yeah. Um, I had one where Warehouse 13 and the Library, which were two popular shows, uh, merged. And the Warehouse and Library became one. So characters could choose to be a librarian or a warehouse agent. And they went off on little one-shot missions. Um, a popular video game was Dragon Age. There's an RPG for that. So... There's always a way of finding some somebody's interest and bringing them in like, okay, well, if you're interested in Vikings, I'll run a Viking game. 
I think there's a, there's actually some role playing games based off of like professional sports and things like that. There's yes. some like, and uh, I've, I don't know much about sports ball personally. No. <laughs> Go sports. That's all I know. <laughs> Go sports. <laughs> um, but there really is a role playing game about everything. And I think the people that don't think they're geeky, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, if you can list the stats for your favorite players from like seasons and seasons and seasons, I'm like, you're basically a geek. Yeah. But instead of collecting magic cards, like you're like collecting numbers about your, your players mm-hmm. of, of games. So. Yeah, I I really question people's like I'm not a geek like unless you're like a human calculator you're probably a geek. Yes. So you probably have passion about something. Yes, yeah. and it's about finding that thread to bring them in. Absolutely. So, how often do you have new players in uh, in games? It seems like over the last uh, many years I have had generally new players. Uh more new players to the dynamic than experienced players. Um, so I'm constantly thinking about everyone who sits at my table of explaining it to them as a new player. It just, that's just what it's become. So they, they agree to try this crazy role-playing game thing. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've done this by finding their interests. Right. And then leading like a trail of breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. into your, into your game. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you then find the role playing uh, character for them? Well, I usually will ask them what what was the character that they identified with a movie character, book character. We can make that. Or if they absolutely have no idea, um, a little trick that I learned is telling them to think about who they are as a person and then exaggerate certain aspects of themselves. So one character played a dwarf, and he really likes food as a person. He's very much a foodie. So he exaggerated that that character trait into his character and enjoyed it. And and it became a hilarity. Um, At the end of uh, combat, he looted all the bodies for food. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, okay. I've uh, personally, I... I really try to fixate one moment. <coughs> I really try to fixate on what kind of experience do they want do mm-hmm. they want to have? And so obviously like you touched on it with what is your favorite movie or yes. favorite book or favorite comic book? And if for for me, because it's so important to tell a narrative story, I I do say like, okay, so you like this. So what did you, you know, what part of that movie book, yeah, whatever, you know, did you like? And I try to emphasize, okay, great. So we're going to build this story together. And part of this story is you're going to, you're going to be overcoming, mm-hmm. you know, hardships that are similar to this. And by doing that, I'm trying to introduce this concept that the best part of the of most movies or comic books or books is not when the character is just blowing stuff up. Right. It's them blowing stuff up after mm-hmm. them having a hard time. Yes. Things go wrong in their life, and now 
they blow stuff up. You you kill the character's dog, and now the character runs around, killing everybody. It's great. It's super yeah. fun. It's it's like a wish fulfillment kind of thing, but to skip straight to the um, to the power like level twenty kind mm-hmm. of adventure, um, or straight to the fifth generation vampire level or whatever craziness, <laughs> like it's not fun. It's generally not fun. They think yeah. it's, they think it's going to be fun, and I, I try to like set their expectations that. Well, you know, your character is going to have hardships. Your character might even die. Yes. And I, it, I think it's important in that, that beginning to say, if we're telling this story together, especially just at least for my games, um, if we're telling this story together, then let's make sure that if something bad happens to your character, it's the most um, memorable Yes. Thing that we can tell stories about later at the at the bar or um, when we're hanging out, and we'd be like, "Remember that time when my mm-hmm. character died?" And instead of it being like this, like worst experience in their life, they're like, "Oh my god!" Like I feel like my kid died. Mm-hmm. Instead, it becomes this like when my character died, it had meaning. Yes. And that's my job is is a dungeon, as a game master is to to have the negatives mm-hmm. be a positive through the, through the art of storytelling and memories. Yes. Um, but definitely I, at least, and I don't know about you, but I feel like when, um, when people are having a really rough time personally, mm-hmm. sometimes they need that just pure wish fulfillment. They're just yeah. like, can I just like, like somebody already killed my dog. Yeah. So can I just skip straight to the like <laughs> shooting people and murdering people? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Actually you can <laughs> though at that point you could just get a board game and yeah. you just skip straight to the killing and rolling dice. But <laughs> how, um, so you've got the player at the table mm-hmm. and, and they're like, everybody else knows what to do, but they don't. Mm-hmm. So how do you get them on board? And having fun without boring everybody else. So I create a packet for the player. Okay. Pre-game. So um, I create the general lexicon of the game. Um, I'll always try to use the terminology of the game, yeah. but I will always pause and explain what that terminology is. And I give them a list of that. I give them a list of their powers. I give them even a summary of the history of that particular game, where they're at, what they're doing. And um, I also do marks on their character sheets. I'll mark important things for them. So I I create this like shortcut list so that they don't have to open a book, but if they want in between turns, they can read this information, have it at the ready. So that's my first key. And then I reiterate as I am as a GM, I will talk you through everything. Don't worry. Like, Everything will be fine. You'll have all your options. And when I, when it comes to a player decision, I never stronghold, but I say, these are your options. Think about how your character would react. And those simple guidelines usually can carry them through the first few sessions. And also in my game, I have three session rule. So three sessions, you will not die. You can rearrange all of your powers Mm -hmm. and stats at any time. After those three sessions, now your character's locked in and yes, you can die. I, uh, I do something generally similar. I've never, 
I've never explicitly defined it. And I do like that idea mm-hmm. of, because I generally tell everybody, hey, and actually even experienced players, I tell them, hey, the first couple adventures, not adventures, the first couple gaming sessions, I say, um, anybody can rebuild their character. Yes. And I'm not, um, I'm not looking to ruin anybody's day because especially for me, we would switch gaming systems every, um, probably every three to four months. So we'd complete a, like, I guess a story Mm -hmm. and then we'd move on to a different game system and then, you know, complete that story. And and eventually we'd get back to, you know, a game system we'd already played before, but because it was always a new game system, it was very easy for people to make um, not just substandard choices, but honestly, like really bad choices. There's right. definitely you you build your stats wrong in Dungeons and Dragons. You it could be fun, <laughs> but probably not. It just mm-hmm. honestly it will it won't be fun for the rest of the party when no. they realize they don't have a cleric because <laughs> you can't cast any spells mm-hmm. or something, right? So uh, I tell people, you know what, you can just rebuild your character, but having a, a literal like, hey, you're safe for three three games, mm-hmm. and after that, let's just agree that you're going to be held accountable to the choices you made because that's right. what makes it meaningful. Yes. Otherwise, um, you might as well just not have any rules at all and. Mm-hmm. Um, then you won't care. You won't feel like you earned anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so is there a possibility to get any of these packets so somebody can see what it might look like? Oh, yes. I actually do have copies of those. Awesome. Well, we'll attach it in the show notes and people okay. can... Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Um, so for me, when I have a new player at the, at the table. And I actually, it's funny because I love printing out materials. I do, I do love printing out summaries of the rules Mm -hmm. because I, um, I don't like, I just don't like stopping and worrying. And, and, and it's funny because I, I told you before that I don't like it when game masters, um, make bad rule calls, Mm -hmm. but I also am like the first game master who will immediately say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so unless somebody knows otherwise, this is what I'm saying is happening. Yep. And that's, that's actually probably why I'm so against people making up like fake rules Mm -hmm. and saying, Oh, well, this is how, um, this is how vampire hunger works. Well, no, it actually doesn't work that way. Right. So um, it can work that way right now. Like we can just say it works that way. That's fine. But don't say the rules say that because yeah. I'm just so against it. Um, but um, yeah, I, I like giving people roll packets and I actually like assigning experienced players of, as control of the book. Mm-hmm. That way I can ask that player, Hey, can you look up how this is supposed to work? Yes. And then I can spend a little bit more time with that new player. And it's, it's like completely the opposite of first edition Dungeons and Dragons, where you're supposed to have one person who knows how everything works. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is supposed to be in this complete, like mystery, like fairyland. Yes. But that's what I like to do is I, I like to make the experienced players 
feel like they're contributing to making everybody have a fun time while I can kind of worry more about the story and mm -hmm. not so much about the rules, but then also kind of handhold that new player yes. through. Now, you said something earlier about role-playing and how somebody who's never role-played before may, um, may feel awkward mm -hmm. saying first person what their character would say. Yes, the so. interaction, uh, I find that 90% of the time, that's what makes somebody hesitant. Yeah. Like, I can't talk like my player character. I don't want to act like them. That'll make me feel weird. Well, then I, I can shortcut that real quick. You don't have to. You can tell me in general that I want to respectfully talk to the shopkeep about some fair prices. Cool, we can do that. And I find that new players will eventually get into the role play, especially if you have at least one experienced player that mm -hmm. really gets into the role play. That person can kind of rally everybody and they'll become more comfortable doing it. Yeah. And that that is one of the biggest things that I think makes people hesitant is they're awkward. They don't want to do that. I think um, for, for me, I found that a lot of people get... Um, they get hesitant because they don't know the right words and they think mm -hmm. the group is going to make fun of them, especially if you're talking about, say, and, and this doesn't really matter whether or not you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you're trying to interact with the king or empress or right. something, or if you're a vampire and you're trying to interact with the local sheriff. And definitely in some, um, I, hes I hesitate to say bad games, but definitely there's been scenarios where I've been with a group and you have somebody saying, oh, well, now the, um, now the sheriff's going to kill you mm -hmm. or something because you said something wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and giving people that freedom of saying, my character is going to ask for help and mm -hmm. offer yes. favors in, in return, then um, it doesn't matter that... that the player doesn't know the right lingo right. because there's so much um, formula or like, you know, what is it? A procedure. There's so much procedure mm -hmm. that you're supposed to follow when interacting with, um, I guess, like feudal systems. Yes. And it's okay yeah. because it's, we're not really vampires <laughs> living thousands of years that follow formal rules of address. Yes. And giving people the freedom to say, I, I asked for help. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. You, your character says this. And, the, and if, the, if the game master knows, you can literally say what, what they would have said, which allows them to, to learn. And if the game master just says, this is how I respond. And they respond first person or whatever, yeah. that, that works too. So, yep. Yeah. yeah, that's an excellent way of putting it. Yeah. All right. So this, I think, is our second episode. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to contribute before we? You're going to keep asking that. Eventually I'll have something to say, but. <laughs> hey, hey, exactly. I'm still new. Well, one of these step, one of these times I won't. And you'll say, wait, I still had something. And I'll be like, dang it. No, I think we covered all the uh, key aspects of trying to draw new players in and make yeah. them feel comfortable and make them feel like they can have I, I want to facilitate everything to make that player have a positive experience absolutely so i i feel like um i think most people understand that 
we are all ambassadors mm-hmm. to this niche hobby. Yeah. And it's up to us to make it a good experience yes. so that they then become ambassadors to the hobby. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, we, we want them all to have a, have a good time. While at the same time, we don't want their good time to ruin other people's good time. So you you want to like have them be good citizens of the role playing community. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think we want to ask the listeners to comment specific areas where, because we could take any slice of these and make a 15 minute episode Mm -hmm. just about that slice. I agree with that. Yeah. So, um, these are, I think... I think all these initial episodes definitely are going to be more high level mm-hmm. and um, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. So, yes. All right. Uh, with that, if you have ideas, go to behind the GM screen.com and comment on this episode or any episode and uh, bye everyone. Bye.